<laughs> I mean, trust me, I know yeah. there's there's people out there where if they could if they could, you know, if they could inject pussy into their veins, they would do it. I know people. I know people that are like they got a problem where they put they put pussy above like everything, you know, and they don't see it. They don't, you know, some of them don't see that it's a problem because I guess you know it's, that's one of those things that you kind of that you that especially as a man that you kind of get praised for. Yeah, you know, so it's a it's a it's an addiction that is completely debilitating, but everybody praises you for it. You go, oh man, that boy get a lot of pussy. It's like. No one ever goes, man. You're getting too much pussy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but some people, it is that though. It's like they're you. They're, they fuck to. They fuck where you can tell that like they're running from something. Welcome back, BS with Brian Simpson, episode fifty nine. Wow, we just rolling, man. We fucking rolling. We do We're doing it, Rob. We're doing it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> any elephants in the room we got to start out with? Any, anything big, big, huge, big going on? I don't think there is a uh, well, single huge story this week. Okay. It's, ta- it's tax week. Everybody's tired. Everybody's stressed well, out. Well, we did taxes. talk about last week, though, the uh, the racist dudes in the Tennessee legislature that tried to um, they tried to kick out those the two black people for, for protesting. Well, the guy leading the charge, I mean, I forget his fucking name, but if you look at his face. His Par- f- is it Parsons? Is it Parsons? Uh, I have to see his face. Uh, but he has a face. He has a racist face. He does. <laughs> he just looked like, the, like you know, like he would get cast in a movie to play a racist, you know? Right. But then, you know, some sleuths, and I don't know who these guys are either because I don't come prepared ever, um, <laughs> they found... Uh, they found out he was having an affair with the governor. With he was having an affair with the wife of someone that works for the governor. So the same guy that they so they found first they found out that he doesn't actually live in Nashville. And he, oh, I know. Who I'm, you're I'm, talking I'm sorry. About. I'm sorry. I, I, I take that back. First they found out that he actually lives in Nashville, but he gets paid to commute from his district which he never actually does. So that was one little little jab, little jab. But then they found out he was banging someone that works for the governor, which is which is, you know, par for the course. What I tell y'all, it's always the people that are obsessed with how other people are living their lives that be out here living foul. They they it's like they think Here it they, is. It's uh Cameron Sexton. He's the speaker of the Tennessee House. Cameron Sexton. Yeah. He represents District 25, which encompasses the community of Crossville, about two hours outside of Nashville. Yet he lives in Nashville. Yeah, he lives in Nashville. His kids go to school in Nashville. He claims that he commutes, but you know how these motherfuckers are. They always doing some dirty shit. I told you, it's it's as if they think (laughs) if they scream loud enough, look over there, that everyone, that no one will notice the, the shit they're doing. You know, and it's like, and, and and it's so funny too to try to discipline somebody else on some trumped up charges, knowing you doing some fucked up shit. You know, because because that's what I'm telling you, these motherfuckers really out here. They living and operating like they above the law, like they above reproach. Because 
so often we ca- it's, it's just like when we catch these billionaires, right? Quite often, it's just because someone asked a question. Because someone questioned them the way a normal person would be. And that's in the, the whole. Remember how Enron fell? Remember, it's a documentary right there called Smartest Guys in the Room. You need to watch it. But basically, um, basically, Enron was, was f- f- to make a long story short, they, they were counting. They made it so that they were able to count a deal they signed today as profits to, to like, like so, if, so, me, so basically, like, so they, they had a deal with Blockbuster where they were going to do like an online streaming thing like Netflix. And it fell apart, which is why Blockbuster did, declined to buy Netflix later on. But they had a deal with Blockbuster, and it, they were supposed to create like a streaming thing. And you know, so it's going to take a while to build it out and all this other stuff. And so you know, you start making money, you put it on your books. But Enron was allowed to go. We signed this deal today, and we think we're going to make three hundred million off it from the next. For the ne- in the next ten years, so so we can put three hundred million dollar profit on our books right now, right? So they they were allowed to do that. They were one of the few companies allowed to do that, and of it's course, called market they, to market, yeah, accounting. mark 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 to market accounting is what it's called, and and of course they abused it, and so they were saying they were making all this money that they wasn't making, and they were actually losing money, and but. All the press and the, and everybody, all the experts and everybody was basically like, "Wow, Enron can't lose because every single quarter they made a profit. They never took a loss, not once. And every and even when it looked like they was about to lose, they made it every single time. And everybody was like, they 'They've got the secret sauce. They figured it out.' Blah, blah blah. And then one day in some in a in a you know a sales call or earnings call or something, one reporter was like, "Hey, how come y'all never lose money?" Like what? Like that's it's, it's 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 getting to the point where it's statistically impossible. And the CEO like cursed at the bitch and hung up on the phone. And everybody's like, "Oh, that was weird." And then people just started looking into it. It's like, "Oh, these motherfuckers ain't making nobody." <laughs> and it all came crumbling down. It was like it's like that's what I mean. It's these these type of people that have been they come from they come from money. They've had power for a long time. Everywhere they go, people treat them a certain way, they'll do that shit right. They'll play in your face because, the, the, you know, to them, it's like, who's going to, nobody's ever said anything, who's going to say something? And you just look, but it's because all this shit is public, publicly available. If anyone just bothered to investigate, they would have caught this motherfucker a long time ago. Anyway, I always well, love that's it. Well, like, that's like the company that we were, we were talking about the other day when we were having lunch, the uh, Hindenburg Research, ah. the company that, that short sells Com- they investigate companies find insane financial fraud and then they short the company which is basically a bet against a bet against the company on the stock market and then they release the research exposing all of the financial malfeasance and then uh they end up making a ton of money off of uh off of the short sales which is a brilliant business model yeah i like it i like it a little bit i do i'd be a damn lie if i said i didn't just like I like this, I like this first article here in the list. Oh man! The, now keep in mind, y'all. Rob finds these articles very rarely. Do I contribute an article? So everything I'm reading on here is basically from him or from a listener, and I have not read any of it. I'm going in blind, you know. So, oh yeah. By the way, Rob, we've we found the intern right or the 
we found those people already, we, right? Because people, I'm still getting yeah, emails yeah, we, about we, it. We found, we found the person. I'm, I, I'm still going through the emails that other people have sent, so I will respond to you. Okay, okay, If cool. you sent. So, <clears throat> first article. <laughs> Which, Brian, Brian where, Brian, where can people get in touch with us? They can get in touch with us at BS with Brian Simpson at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at 323-451-1980. And you can buy tickets to my tour at BrianSimpsonComedy.com or go to one of my social medias at BS Comedian and click on my Linktree link. And uh, either way, yeah. So this headline just grabbed me. It touched me. Um, it's right up my alley um, because I love it when horrible things happen to people and I and there's a fact alongside that where that means they deserve it. And so that's, you know. Anyway, here's this headline. Couple beheaded themselves with homemade guillotine in ritual sacrifice, police in India say. So, you know, it wasn't an accident. These are just people being stupid, you know. And, and <laughs> an Indian couple has allegedly died by suicide by, wait a minute. Maybe they were murdered and it was made to look suicide. I don't know how they do things in India, if it's the same here. Like, they kill themselves. An Indian couple has allegedly died by suicide by using a guillotine-like mechanism to decapitate themselves in a sacrificial ritual, police said Sunday. Um, Himubai Makwana, 38, and his wife, Hansabin, 35, both died by decapitation after using a homemade bladed mechanism in a hut on their farm in the western state of Gujarat, police said. The couple first prepared a fire altar before putting their heads under a guillotine-like mechanism held by a rope. What is a guillotine-like mechanism? It's a guillotine, no, it ain't. Right? Indrajit Singh Singh Jadeja, a police sub-inspector, was quoted as saying by Indian news outlets, as soon as they released the rope, the iron blade fell on them, severing their heads, which rolled into the fire. That's a guillotine. Okay, somebody explain to me why they won't just call it a guillotine. They keep saying guillotine-like. Because to me, that implies there's some slight difference that makes it technically not a guillotine. But this sounds like a guillotine to me. A rope, a blade. Maybe it's a brand like Whirlpool. You can't say Oh, yeah, or like Xerox. No. um, A a proprietary eponym. That'll be our our, uh, word of the day. Word of the day day is eponym. Let's, Let's look that up, Rob. A proprietary eponym. A proprietary. proprietary eponym is where a brand name becomes associated with the becomes the generic term. Oh, right, right, for right. that item. So a, a band aid instead of an adhesive bandage, or right. a Kleenex or, instead of a facial tissue, or Coke instead of soda. Well, which only really applies right. to the idiots in the middle of the country. That, no, that, well, <laughs> they go, oh, somewhere they go. They call everything a Coke. That's Louisiana. That's the uh, South. Okay, yeah. So you know, and parts of East Texas. Basically, East Texas all the way through Florida, everything is a Coke. Yeah, just just all the places you don't want to visit. <laughs> Correct. Um, <laughs> Any place you don't want to be after sundown. Uh, fire is considered sacred in Hinduism, and it plays a significant role in several worship rituals. The couple apparently designed this device using their beheading in such a way that their heads would roll into the fire altar, completing their sacrificial ritual. Wow. Police who said they have found a suicide note addressed to family members have launched an investigation. The couple is survived by two children and their parents. Wow, you going to go out before your mama and daddy? That's fucked up. You're not supposed to die before your parents, man. 
The incident took place sometime between Saturday night and Sunday afternoon when police were altered. Family, family members reportedly told police that the pair had offered prayers in the hut every day for the last year. Ritual human sacrifices are not unknown in India, where official data showed there were more than 100 reported cases between 2014 and 2021. That doesn't seem like a lot. Right? Isn't like a billion and a half people in India? Only a hundred in seven years? That's That doesn't seem like a problem. I mean, that doesn't seem like like something need to be studied or, you know? A hundred people out of... Well, they said they said not unheard of. Right, but they said a hundred reported cases. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why even report them if it's that rare? 24, yeah, I mean, I don't I, know. Uh, but I almost how many all, ritual killings there are in the U.S. Um... But almost all known cases of human sacrifice involve people killing others to please gods. Isn't that why we kill people here? You know what? That's that's another story for another day. Uh, <laughs> earlier this month, Indian Indian police arrested five men for murdering a woman in 2019 inside a Hindu temple in Guwahati, 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 in what they said was a case of ritual human sacrifice. Okay. Well, I was hoping it would be funnier than that. Like I was hoping it would be some kind of goof. I mean, you really rolled in the dice that that, <laughs> that uh that uh that all of that that your head because because it's I guess they say in guillotine neck because it was it's probably set up more like one of those uh what do you call them something Goldberg machines mm-hmm. Rube Goldberg machine? yeah it's, it was kind of set up like this Rube Goldberg machine for the gods where it's like your head has to roll into the fire so that's a whole other you know I. <laughs> See, so now I'm picturing like their heads get chopped off, and then their heads land in this bucket, and then it knocks over some dominoes, and then it, you know, and then it rolls through. A t- you know, it's like I'm, I'm picturing one of those situations, like a water wheel. Yeah. Water wheel like lifts it up, and it goes like down a, a pachinko machine. Because you really got to make sure. I mean, because you don't get a second try, Mm-mm. so you really got to make sure your head goes in the fire. You know, and obviously the fire isn't right under you. But don't they feel that the entire time? Because as soon as your head's cut off. You- Apparently, your mind, I mean, it's still working and everything. You would feel the pain on your face. No, 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 you wouldn't. That's one of the things about being on fire is uh, the first thing to go is your nerves. I mean, mean, obviously, it's going to be excruciating for a little while. But, I mean, once all the, uh, you know, I don't know. Because, I mean, I'm sure you have pain receptors, you know, further, deeper than just your skin. But I think your nerves immediately get damaged. My understanding of a guillotine is that as soon as your head gets chopped off, the the blood pressure in your head drops to essentially zero. And so that pretty much turns the lights off as soon as that happens. Yeah. Or you just But have, I could be wrong about you that. having I mean, a gnarliest dream. I mean, it's not like we can ask motherfuckers, you know. <laughs> pe- pe- people people assume that people assume that because they start they, they still see people's eyes blinking and shit. But I mean, we we know that like every you know a lot of dead bodies move even after they're dead because there's still signals being sent and so on. So right. who the fuck knows? All right, if um, you were executed, Brian. Brian, if you were executed, what um, method would you would you choose? Gas chamber. If you had, really? Yeah. Oh man, that uh, oof, that'd be at the bottom of the list for me. Why? Quick, painless. Well, because it's, but but I think that there have been several instances where people have had a reaction to the gas, and they basically like didn't the guy from Dead Man Walking, didn't he 
bash the back of his skull uh, yeah, into smithereens so because rare. he had like a nerve rea- nervous reaction to it. That's rare, though. Okay. I'm not allergic to anything okay. except cockroaches slightly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I just did an allergy test one night because I was all fucked up. My sinus was all fucked up. And I thought I had the cedar fever. They did my test. It turns out I'm on, I'm only allergic to roaches. Yeah, and ever so slightly. Like they make you sneeze or itch? Um, I have no idea. I have no idea. But that we but we did learn recently that the that your exposure to roaches, like the more you're around them, the more allergic you get to them. So people that research roaches are severely allergic. And I grew up with roaches. Like I probably I probably lived in a I didn't I didn't leave a house with roaches until I was until I was eighteen. Mm. Almost every house I lived in, almost every house I lived in had roaches except one. And so maybe it's probably taken. And then I have, and you know, so funny, I haven't had roaches since. So may, maybe, so now I was, I was eighteen then. Now I'm forty. So maybe it took that long for me to just be slightly, even though I can't ever recall having some allergic reaction to the motherfuckers. But maybe, are you allergic to shrimp? No, no, I'm not allergic to shrimp. Um, so the cockroaches of the of the water uh so the great the great pacific garbage patch is now so huge and permanent that a coastal ecosystem is thriving on it scientists say what scientists have found thriving communities of coastal creatures including tiny crabs and anemones living thousands of miles anemones what is it anemones okay living thousands of miles from their original home on plastic debris in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, a 620,000-square-mile swirl of trash in the ocean between California and Hawaii. <clears throat> I am curious as to why the trash is attracted to the other trash. Like, how does it just, you know, anyway. In a new study published in Nature Ecology, uh, A team of researchers revealed that dozens of species of coastal invertebrate organisms have been able to survive and reproduce on plastic garbage that's been floating in the ocean for years. The science has said that the findings suggest plastic pollution in the ocean might be enabling the creation of new floating ecosystems of species that are not normally able to survive in the open ocean. Unlike organic material that decomposes and sinks with months or at most a few years, plastic debris can float in the ocean for a much longer time, giving creatures the opportunity to survive and reproduce in the open ocean for years. It was surprising to see how frequent the coastal species were. They were on 70% of the debris that we found. Okay, so they about to take over. Um, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, <laughs> which is twice the size of Texas, is the largest accumulation of ocean plastic in the world. The patch is bounded by an enormous gyre? Gyre? Why, why you put words gyre like Gyre or gyre are, are both correct. Okay. The biggest of five huge spinning circular currents in the world's oceans that pull trash towards the center and trap it there. Well, that created creating a garbage vortex. <laughs> Holy shit. Our grandkids going to have a fucking problem. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're going to have a fucking issue, bro. That's the problem is getting bigger and bigger by the minute. We see turtles that are entangled in ghost fishing nets. Sometimes it's even just turtle carcasses we see ingestion of plastic fragments and there's also the pollutants chemicals well that didn't fucking help anybody the ocean cleanup has built a huge trash collecting system a u-shaped barrier with a net like skirt okay um i say we just give up why we keep fighting this 
Man, I, it, it's weird how I come in. I come in here some mornings with hope, and I come in some mornings with doom on my mind. Today's one of those cynical doom days where I'm just like, "Fuck it all, fuck this." Yeah, who cares? Go out there and fuck a stranger. Do some drugs. Go to, go to another. <laughs> commit a crime. Shoplift. You know, just fuck it. It's the end of the world. Um. Okay. Show up all your friends with awesome art from Displate. It's the artwork printed on the metal poster that only takes 20 seconds to install. Place the magnetic sticker on your wall and hang your Displate. Easy as that. Um, this is the thing that they sent me. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It, it's got these little magnetic stickers. You just stick these on the wall. You pop it over there. Bang. Your shit's on the wall. Um, you can upload custom stuff um, that's like officially licensed designs from Star Trek, Lord of the Rings, Call of Duty. Uh, there's a display for whatever uh, you might be into. Click the link in my description to see some of my favorites and get your ready-to-hang piece of art. Save 27% if you buy one or two and get 34% off when you buy three or more. The discount will be applied automatically to your cart when you click my link. Use code BS when you visit Displate.com to get the discount. That's Displate.com, code BS, or click the link in our show notes. Displate.com, code BS. Inside the scientific debate that's shaping the future of psychedelic therapy to trip or not to trip, can the magic be removed from the mushroom and should it? Well, look, look, these fucking lames. We already know the answer to this. No, it shouldn't. Because <laughs> this, it, 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 it kills me how there are the goody goods in society that have just unilaterally decided for all of us that any substance that brings just pleasure or, or more pleasure than anything else should be banned. That anything, rec- any, any drug somebody might take recreationally should be illegal. You know, blood pressure medication ain't illegal. Viagra ain't illegal. You know, uh, it, it, there's, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of medications that are, that are dangerous, that are addictive, that can fuck your whole life up, that are perfectly legal. And that anything you take just for pleasure, oh, so, so we should only use it if... We can take the fun part out. Who, who, what kind of person is that? Those are the kind of people that like cut clits off in Africa, you know, because they're like, sex is just for reproducing. You know, it's like, what do you mean? It's also fun. Yeah, because that's what, you know, that's what these people, these conservatives that want to, that keep on getting closer and closer to your dick with their legislation, (laughs) they don't want people to have sex for fun because they can't do it. They're not hitting those spots. You know, Brian, uh, Brian could taste the classical music playing. His tongue was alive with the vibrations as the ceiling rippled, blah, blah, blah. He did mushrooms. I was suicidal. No tomorrow's state, he said later, describing the debilitating depression, panic attacks, and night terrors that had up in his life for over two years. I couldn't work. I could barely function. So have you read this, Rob? Yeah, I skimmed it. I didn't I didn't read the whole thing because it's pretty long. But yeah, this is long as fuck. Well, he did shrooms. It's a, good jumping, it's a good jumping off point for us, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, well, well, what are your thoughts generally on on hallucinogenics? I guess generally hallucinogenics, but then also specifically hallucinogenics as a medical therapy. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I think most people should do them. Most people should do most mm-hmm. people should do mushrooms or LSD at least once or both, at least one time in your life. Um because it is it, it's mind altering it's it can shift the way you think and see the world it can give you especially people that have no perspective outside of like people that have never left their small town and you know all they know is this little you know 20 mile patch it's like yeah you got to something has to shift you know have to have to shift your shit your consciousness to another level um and you come back to earth, you know? Like, I think unless you are predisposed to having some kind of psychological issues, yeah, you should you should give these things a try. Um, and and uh, and I, I know they work for medical use because I know so many, I know veterans um, and I know other people that suffer from PTSD, anxiety, depression, and uh, psilocybin has helped you know, I, me myself personally, microdosing uh, mushrooms. It, up until a couple weeks ago, was was the most apparent help with depression that I've ever received. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. You know, I might I I try. I thought I was. <laughs> I hadn't done shrooms in a while. And I thought I was buying some weed chocolate. <laughs> and I, and so I took a big bite. My tolerance is pretty high for these edible things out here. And I took a big bite. And uh, whew, uh, I'm immediately, I mean, not immediately, but, event, but I knew something was off because my stomach was already like, oh, wait a minute, I know that feeling. I know that feeling, uh, you know. And it was like, okay, I guess we tripping. But uh, but then I woke up the next day and I, <laughs> my mind was clear and I was so um you know, I was just so relieved because I had I had stopped taking my antidepressants cold turkey because they were they were making me forget stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I can't, you know, and in my line of work, you can't be like all like reaching for memory. Like I like my act has to be in my head. And it and I didn't, it didn't make me forget jokes necessarily, but it just made it. I felt like my brain was slow. Like I don't know how to explain it, and I just can't. No, I was on I was on antidepressants for a short while, and I felt like I was just walking through a fog. Yeah, the entire yeah. time it didn't make me stupid. It just made me just like it's like it was like it's like I was playing Street Fighter, but my rhythm was off. You know what I mean? And I just couldn't do anything. And like I knew what I wanted to do, but I just couldn't. I didn't have the muscle memory. I didn't have the. The way I describe it to people is I, uh, is like I'm used to walking around with, you know, if my brain was a thousand watt light bulb that would flicker, you know, it would mm-hmm. flicker. And then every now and then it would fucking stay on bright for a little while. And this thing, like the antidepressants, it made it so like the light was always on. But it was only a hundred watts, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's a great, that's a great 
so, so it was like I didn't I lost access to my for lack of a better term my spurts of of brilliance or right you know I, th- that sounds very uh conceited but you know what I'm saying yeah like my like revving all the way up I couldn't do it like my brain just couldn't go there and so anyway I stopped taking them cold turkey which was a mistake um apparently that can fuck your brain up <laughs> Yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, it didn't do anything to me that I noticed. Um, but at the same time, it's like you you can't notice your own when you act funny. So, yeah, so anyway, I know it works. And I know a lot of veterans and other people that suffer from debilitating mental health stuff. And uh, and it, it helps more than most things. Quite More recently, I did um, an NAD therapy. In an NAD plus drip, IV drip, and boy, that helped better than everything. It was also very intense, but but yeah, why? Because you know, I don't understand why just because something gets you high, we, then we gotta have this debate about whether we should use it. It helps. And what's fucked up is the VA. And we've talked about this before. The VA is so far mm-hmm. behind on, you know, because they're federal. You know, and, so, right. and and it's like, and you can't tell them that you do drugs, like you can't tell them that you do that you smoke weed or that you've done ayahuasca. But I mean, you can, but they're gonna put that in your file. It's like you got a problem with drugs. You 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 a drug addiction. You know, so so it's like, right. And then they and then they treat you through that lens like you're an addict. You know, and, and so, and also, you know, if you get in, um, if you get any kind of trouble with drugs, legal trouble with even marijuana. That can cost you your benefits. So it's well, all. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So if you, you know, I, I, I don't. They, you know, as much as the, as much as these politicians claim to love veterans, you know, they don't seem to be in a hurry to treat this these people with with PTSD, depression, anxiety, and so forth, um, with the ways that they know works. You well, know. they don't love veterans. They love war, and they right. don't give a fuck about right. veterans. Yeah, that's how but, it feels. Um, huh? Well, they love money. Yeah, but what? <laughs> yeah, well, war is how they make money. Um, but so one of the things that this article brings up is there are there's significant evidence that the that the reason why psychedelics help with things like PTSD or depression or anxiety is because it can jumpstart neuroplasticity which is your brain's ability to create new connections and new structures inside of it and obviously everybody knows that like when you're younger you have a lot of neuroplasticity it's it's easier to pick up things like musical instruments or artistic skills or other languages and as you get older that becomes more difficult right because your your brain sort of solidifies um and both hallucinogenics and antidepressants like pharmaceuticals can re-trigger that neuroplasticity at least temporarily and in small amounts and because of that they they there's evidence that the hallucinogenic aspects of something like psilocybin and the neuroplastic aspects of it are not like one in the same. Like you could have the, you could create 
something derived from like psilocybin, for instance, that would give you the benefit, the therapeutic benefits without the hallucinations. Yeah, but, but who wants that? <laughs> well, they want that because then they can turn it into a pharmaceutical thing that they can then license and make tons of money off of the patent. These fucking people, I and then, and and it all it all it also skirts around the moralistic horseshit from like the average civilian, where they don't like people getting high. Oh right? yeah, because God forbid people high, even though all the greatest people have gotten high. <laughs> name a great name a great man that didn't that didn't use any drugs, recreational. You can't. They was all on some shit. I defy you to name one. Name a great man that didn't use substances. I mean, actually, the, the Albert Einstein. The uh, bullshit. Uh, Albert, Einstein, <laughs> Albert Einstein got high. Look yeah. at that, Albert Einstein. Drug. Did Albert Einstein ever use drugs? Oh. He was Apparently, he was, I mean, according to meth, cocaine, DMT, LSD. <laughs> Come on, look, look, guys, all of them. Marijuana. Yeah, all of them. What about Nikola Tesla? What you mean, bro? Nikola Tesla definitely was. Yeah, all of them ripped. Look, drug use. Tesla smoked excessively for a short period, which he claims threatened to ruin his health. He quit this as well as, well, they didn't say smoke what. Um, he drank whiskey every day. He avoided all stimulants except for alcohol. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I think they all, they Nikola all did Tesla drugs. drank whiskey every day because he thought that it would make him live for 150 years. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, according you know, to this whiskey website. Even if you think, even so even even people you don't think like if you say, "Oh, Donald Trump's a great man. He don't use drugs." Yes, he did. That boy did copious amounts of cocaine. His drug of choice is pussy. Donald Trump? Would that be? Yeah, but that's not yeah. a drug. It's an it addiction. <laughs> I mean, trust me. I know yeah. there's there's people out there where if they could if they could, you know, if they could inject pussy into their veins, they would do it. I know people. I know people that are like they got a problem where they put they put pussy above like everything, you know, and they don't see it. They don't, you know. Some of them don't see that it's a problem because I guess you know it's, that's one of those things that you kind of that you that especially as a man that you kind of get praised for. Yeah, you know. So it's like it's a it's an addiction that is completely debilitating, but everybody praises you for it. You go, oh man, that boy get a lot of pussy. It's like. No one ever goes, man. You getting too much pussy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but some people, it is that though. It's like they're you. They, they fuck to. They fuck where you can tell that like they're running from something. You know, they have something to prove. And I and I forget who I heard recently say that like the more you fuck, the more people, different people you fuck, the harder it is for you to pair bond. Hmm. That might be true? some red pill bullshit, though. No, I'm not that sounds that. like some red pill bullshit. Um, yeah, but I, but I do think, you know, but there is, I think there is a little something to that, because, 
I don't think it's that the more you fuck, the harder it is for you to pair bond. I think that people that can't pair bond fuck a lot. <laughs> I think it's the other way around. What, I think it's because you, you're what's something. Pair bond? Some, it's like like attached to another person, like uh-huh. you know, like in your in your mind. Like what's the, what's the shit called? Like oxytocin releases, you know. Yeah. And, and and I think it's something is like broken inside them, and they're trying to like the fucking is the closest they get to that whatever that is like they're you know they don't have the ability to actually form like close new close relationships so i don't know i, I would love to have a psychi- I, we had dr drew we can get dr drew on here we can't we can't get lex we can get dr drew we can get dr drew yeah, I, we- I think that i think that part of it comes from one of the reasons why people especially guys will just like go through a hoe phase is they have low self-esteem and it feels good when you when you feel like you've won something when you get laid right when you pull yeah but and, don't but and guy, so but they with, they end up don't guys with high don't guys with high self-esteem get laid a lot i mean i think they probably can get laid a lot but i'm talking about you're talking about people who have almost like an addiction okay, to sex yeah. right and so I think that often comes from depression and low self-esteem and by getting getting laid like it's a you think of it as you you experience it as a challenge and you succeed at it and it gives you like a little bump of adrenaline or just positive feelings about yourself or whatever but then you end up in a pattern where once you've already slept with somebody sleeping with them again isn't a challenge Right, so you move on to the next person, and then you get into a habit. You get into a pattern of these these human beings are just sort of like the next level in a video game. You know what I mean? And so it it deadens your ability or warps your ability to have a real emotional connection with somebody. So I can definitely see that happening. I don't think it's anything magical, or you know, I don't. I'm not on that like red pill bullshit, but it's like. I think that I can uh, I can imagine a very real emotional or psychological pattern that somebody could fall into that would be um, self defeating. Makes sense to me. Yeah, like imagine somebody fucking you so good that you decide to put your your head in a guillotine <laughs> and die together. You know what I mean? A guillotine like object. Right? A guillotine like object that's actually a a Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> the, the supposed, I don't know what were they hoping to get out of it. Uh, see that the, these articles are unclear. They were probably poorly translated. They were, they were. Uh, this was a ritual sacrifice to the god Shiva, who's the oh. god of destruction in oh, Hindu wow. religion. Yeah. So what were they hoping to destroy? Wait, but isn't Shiva also the god of creation? Well, I believe Shiva is one aspect of the god of everything. In Hindu, in the Hindu religion, is that is that is that how it works in the Hindu religion? I believe Man, that's right. I don't know. I mean, I think all religions are equally silly. So I take I take it all with a grain of salt. You know, I don't look at Christianity. Or Some Hinduism are sillier than others. Or Buddhism, or or, or or I don't look at that any different than like Scientology or Mormon or you know, or being being a Republican. You know, it's all the same. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> um, 
you're hoping for the best from some. You were some, you were raised. You were raised Republican? Christian. Oh, no, yeah. you were raised Christian. <laughs> um, yeah, I was raised Christian for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've read the I've read the whole Bible like one like year and a half. I read the Bible to this mm-hmm. lady. It was, it was this old lady that was standing in our basement named Mamie. And I and every day I came from school and I read the Bible to. Her. <laughs> I was such a sweet kid, and I, I, she was dying, and I read the Bible to her. And um, I don't remember her dying. I mean, she definitely died. She's dead for sure. But um, but I remember she she could barely talk. Um. Yeah, but I remember reading through it, and, and when I got to when I I, well, I don't know if I got all the way to the end. Um, or if she maybe skipped to some parts or whatever, but I read the vast majority of it. And then I just had so many questions. That was the beginning of me starting to doubt it all. How old were you? I was, was probably like 11. Or, no, it was like 10, 9 or 10. And I, you know, and because I, I realized like at that point, I had never actually read the Bible. I, all I ever really did was go to church and turn to the turn to whatever the preacher said turn to and read that along with him. But I but mm, so mm-hmm. so like receiving it in these pieces with the with lessons to go live, you know, isn't you don't see the contradictions and the things that don't add up and the things that don't make. You know what I'm saying? Cuz you might never right. you cuz you might even come you might even read the contra- like a contradiction in church, but it was it was two years ago you read the thing that it contradicts, so you don't even put two and two together. It was like so anyway, like just reading through it all, you know, and coming across so many things it was like, oh, wait a minute, that don't make sense, and that don't make, you know, and then going to church and being like, hey, this don't make sense to me. How come this is over here and that's over there? And you know, and the answers they gave me weren't weren't satisfactory. You know, they would they, they would, you know, because they all gave the same answer. They were like, um, like, well, first of all. Every time they would, they would, it would be this sort of a, wow, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, let me get back to you on that. Blah, blah blah. The next time I see him, hey, listen. So God's thoughts are not our thoughts, you know. So your mind ain't capable of making sense of, you know. And that, and that, and I, and I, I that quieted me for for a while. But it would it didn't satisfy me, you know. But I right. got that same answer from all the adults. Like when I came across something that didn't make sense, that was contradictory, I would always get an answer to that effect of like, "Well, you just the human mind is just not on the level of of a god, so that's why it don't make sense to you." Type shit, you know. And I was just like, "Well, it moves in mysterious ways." Yeah, because then you know, and, I, and like I said, that that shut me up for a little while. But then I started thinking. But wait a minute! Isn't the whole point of the Bible so to, so that it makes sense to us? Like that's the mm. what would what, what be the whole point of publishing a book for everybody to read if if it's shit in it don't make sense? Control, right? So you know, and that and that got to go on deeper, deeper. Then I started looking into it. It was like, and, and and here's the other thing too. Through all that question, I still stayed Christian. I was Christian up until I was in the Marine Corps. Which which is funny, um, but there was this there was this dude in our unit named um, named named uh, Brown, and he was the first person I met that was like openly atheist. 
where it was like mm. th- this was before the wave of like militant atheism that that started in like you know 2009 or something you know this was the, but he was the first person I met that was like because it was one of those things that like I would never have dared say I was an atheist I mean as is all the questions I had all the little defiant things I did I would have not dared say I was an atheist where I'm from in my family fuck no but and and nor in the military I had never met anybody that would say something like that you know and this motherfucker was bold about it you know what I mean in the Marine Corps and he was the only one he was the only one that was like and and I'll never forget this is the part that it, it, it this is the part that kind of pushed me over the edge where I was like, you know, I did the whole thing was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not Christian. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not religious anymore. I'm spiritual. Like, this is when I did that is I saw him like a missionary from the, from the, from the base church walked up to us at, at the barracks. We were outside drinking and talking bullshit. He walked up to us at the barracks and Brown just happened to be there. And there were like seven or eight of us around and he was missionary on the base, which, which is against the law, by the way, he wasn't supposed to be doing that. Um, and Brown said that to him, you know, and he was like, "What are you kind of non-believer?" And Bra- and so it turned into this. De- <laughs> it turned into this debate, and Brown ate this motherfucker up. Like he made him look real stupid. Like, like even because again, I'm the only one. It was me and maybe one other person that was like kind of questioning their religion, and everybody else was like firmly religious. And Brown made everybody go, because he made this, this dude ain't have nothing for him. He ain't had no answers for him. You know, because that's that's the thing I'm learning recently is like, atheists tend to know more about your religion than you do. You know? And so, I mean, he made this motherfucker look real fucking silly. And again, I wouldn't have gone so far as to say I was an atheist right after that. But I was like, I'm firmly, I'm definitely not this religion. You know, you know. Then when I went to college, I went to community college, and my first class was philosophies of religion, and that was that was the thing that broke me right there. There was a cute girl in there I wanted to fuck, but that helps. That does help, and that's when I got introduced to like you know Sam Harris and um, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and you know. And and uh, and and then this class broke down each religion of the world and all the major religions from east to west and where they started and why they started and I, and after that man it was just impossible. It was just impossible because this dude was very brilliant. He started with all the eastern religions and had us break them down and criticize them and see where they where they weren't logical and all of this. He started with all of he said Christianity for last. But the, this class probably started with maybe 40 people in it. By the time we got to Christianity, there was probably 25 people left. Mm-hmm. And, and then by the time we got to the end, it was probably 15 people left in that class. And now yeah. you probably couldn't even teach that class somewhere. You know, because somebody, somebody would be like, I'm offended by this. Eh, that's or, bullshit. I don't buy that. No, no. Just this nah. just happened recently. This, remember the woman that the 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 uh, the teacher that got in trouble because she she showed a an a painting. I want to say or, or a sculpture, some kind of art of the Prophet Muhammad in in class. And one of the one of the Muslim students was upset because in their in her religion, 
it's uh, it's considered blasphemy to paint an image of the prophet. But what the teacher was trying to teach was that like that is only one sect of Islam or only a, a handful, and there's there's there there are and have been loads of different factions of Islam that don't believe that that are that uh drawn the prophet's images mm-hmm. blasphemous. So and that's why that, that's where that image came from was like an ancient painting or something, right? You know what I'm talking about? No. Didn't we talk about so it? So let's see. I found I found an, I found an, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but I found an are you talking about Erica Lopez Prater at Hamline University? It says Maybe. art professor sues after firing over showing Prophet Muhammad images. That's it. Small private school in St. Paul. I'm not familiar with this case. Let's see. Among other things, Hamline, through its administration, has referred to Dr. Lopez Prater's actions as, quote, undeniably Islamophobic, her attorneys said in the state. Okay, so she's suing them for discrimination and defamation, damage to her professional and personal reputation. Yeah, because they fired her immediately. Right. They immediately, they also immediately backtracked because that's ridiculous. <laughs> right? right. Okay. But, but what I'm saying is, I, I think now nowadays in colleges the kids have more power than the prof- than the professors do in terms of whether they agree with the content and all that other shit you know well yeah i think that's i i do think that that is true because there, there were kids in this class that were pissed and and when i was yeah. in school all you could do was leave i mean drop out the class which is what they did which is fine you should do that if you if you like if you are that offended but now Kids wouldn't drop out that class. They would go complain, you know? Right. Well, I everybody should pull out their Rob bingo cards because I'm about to say uh, that it's capitalism's fault. Um, <laughs> Ooh! What, you know, because... <laughs> okay. Because I think that this is a function of how we have come to think of universities as a fee-for-service model where the students and their parents are seen as customers. clients or customers right? as opposed to students who need to be taught things about how the world works or how different people view their place in it, right? It's it, it, That's how you end up where um, being a teacher you know, is a, uh, is, um, a very low paying, low status job in this country now. And the administration will throw you to the fucking wolves if it means saving the tuition money that they would lose from people dropping out or protesting the the college. Right. Yeah. What's funny about that is the people that make the most money at the colleges are the people that are not the people that teach class. No, that's they're what, not. That's you know. The more I think about it, is there any industry where the core people in that industry make the most money? What do you mean? Like, uh, you know, like, like you know, artists don't make the most money off. Like, you know, musicians don't make the most money off music. Um, yeah, that's cap. That's capitalism, you know, Brian. You know, that's how it comedians works. Comedians <laughs> don't make the most money off comedy. Athletes don't make the most money off sports. Teachers don't make the most money at universities. Right. Who why why is any why is the dean of why is the why is the head of football operations make more money than the smartest person in that whole bit than the person that creates the curriculum for the math department? 
Why does you know why does the dean of students make more money than the than the person that's actually teaching the students? I don't understand that. I've never understood that. But uh, Rob says it's capitalism. What do y'all think? Is Rob just a just a leaf eating hippie? <laughs> um, am just I a lefty? A, I'm just a lefty beta cuck. Yeah. Am I? Am I? Am I on the fence waffling both sides? Capitalism cuck. See, this is this is what this is my conundrum right now is because is because I've a large part of my career has been has come from making fun of the ridiculous shit in capitalism. And yet here I am, a capitalist, making money. It's like it's like I very soon, probably in the next three, four, five years, I'm gonna have enough money where I will be one of the people that I'm making fun of. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I would barely say you're holding still, you're still proletariat, Brian. What does that mean? You, I mean you As sell your to the labor. bourgeoisie. <laughs> As opposed to the capital owning class. Mm. Now, maybe in the next in the next three years, you'll have enough. You'll have gathered up enough scratch as a skilled laborer that you can transition into the capital owning class, and then uh, that will break your brain. Yeah, and, and you I, will be different. And, and then I'll start voting Republican, and mm-hmm. you know, talking about homeless people like they're not people. And uh, mm-hmm. and being very confused, and putting by out tr- lukewarm uh, comedy specials. Been, <laughs> been very confused by by the trans community. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, transgender basketballer can reapply despite being denied approval to join league. What is that talking about? Transgender athlete Lexi Rogers will be given advice and support by Basketball Australia if she chooses to reapply to join a women's semi-professional league after her application was denied on Tuesday. Um, what is it? Is this like a warning? What is, what's going on here? No, you have to apply. So she applied specifically, this athlete Lexi Rogers applied specifically to join a basketball league in Australia. It's a women's semi-professional league. And because she's transgender, she had to apply, and they uh, they denied her inclusion in the in the league. Mm. It says um, the balance of inclusivity, fairness, and competitive nature of sport will always be a complex area to navigate, and we thank those involved who have maintained integrity and respect throughout the process. The statement read that is from Basketball Australia. Um, they are not, however, disclosing the criteria that formed the basis of the decision, which I think is the more, you know, I I, I can be convinced on, in either direction on like a specific case, whether somebody should be admitted to play against other people. Um, but I wish that they would make the criteria public. Like, why would you keep the criteria secret? That seems inappropriate to me. Um, I think to aid us in further developing this framework, key stakeholders from the transgender community will contribute feedback and guidance, including Lexi Rogers, who will provide advice following her experiences. So I think what this is is them saying we we not we weren't prepared for this at all, so we're gonna say no. 
and then we gonna figure out. <laughs> then we gonna figure it out, like what what the what the criteria is. But I but I think that's progress that, because this is way better than the shit we talked about. Was it last week or the week before? Where, where it was like, oh, you can just play with whatever gender you say you are. No, no other right. criteria that because that's gonna lead to issues. Which we saw, which you know, obviously the semi-pro. What is this basketball? Semi-pro, ba- semi-pro women's basketball in, in what co- in what country? Australia. Uh, right. So, so so far, it's only happened with two sports that no one cares about, right? Like you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, women's weightlifting in Canada and semi-pro basketball in Australia. But you know. I don't know what this who this article is for. Because, you know, whether this woman plays or not, I still don't care about semi pro women's basketball in Australia. Right. So, you know. Consistent with the views expressed by so many, I firmly believe that I have a place as an athlete in women's basketball. Yeah, so like you said, without knowing what what criteria they use to exclude her. I don't know what the strong opinions are on on here. Like, what do they do? Do they just do they like measure? They must they, obviously there must be blood work involved. Can you no. palm a ball? That's pretty yeah. much it. Can you palm a ball? No, because the women's ball is <laughs> the women's ball is smaller. Oh yeah, yeah, and the three point line is closer. But they won't lower the rim. Oh, that'd be badass if they let transgender women into the WNBA and then put it at nine feet. Oh, dude, that I'd, is inevitable. I'd watch that. That is inevitable. That's <laughs> happening. That's happening in our lifetime. Like that's gonna. I think that that's gonna happen in the next three years. There's gonna be a transgender woman in the WNBA. I mean, there 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 probably already is a few. Um, what's the word, Rob? Intersex. intersex? Yeah, yeah there's, probably there's, already a few intersex people that have been in the WNBA. One intersex runner was banned recently from international. Right, international yeah. racing because yeah, she just has too much testosterone naturally. Can you can you believe that? Yeah, so you know there there may have there may be or may have been an an intersex person in the, in the WNBA, which which raises the question. So why isn't she, why isn't she allowed to play? You know the intersex woman, right? Because it's, because, it's always going to be a, a judgment call, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's I have, always, I have there, no there, problem. There aren't there aren't hard lines. <laughs> okay, because uh, I, I have no problem either way. I, I have no problem with transgender women trying to compete. Um, I have no problem with you know. I think. I, I believe that most of the people governing these things are operating in a good faith where they their main concern is fairness. But I believe most of the people complaining about fairness don't care about fairness or women or women's sports. They just they just don't like trans people and they want in this, you know, they this is a chance to like shit on them without using right. tranny as a slur. You know, like like without you know how like you know how like a lot of racist people wanna like they want to get away with being racist, but they don't ever want to be labeled as a racist. You know what I mean? It's that kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's like yeah. it's a lot of people that hate trans people, or um, and and they they get a they don't want to be labeled a transphobe, so so they get away with it by making it 
like by using like sports as their proxy. It's the same thing as the bathroom bill stuff where they say it's to protect women. And it's like, not really. You just don't want trans people out in public, you know? Well, you don't want them it's, in. Because... Yeah, but but also it's like, it's like also you don't, because here's the truth. The, those same people, they, you, don't want the tran, you don't want the trans woman in the bathroom with you either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. the same people that complain. Right. Yeah, they, you know, because why? How does that affect? Because some people are just obsessed with trans people. I think a lot of them want to fuck a trans person. That's immediately where I go if somebody, like, you know, let's say makes uh, three comedy specials in a row where they talk a lot about trans women. I just assume that they want to fuck them. Really? Who's doing that? What? So who's making? Who made three comedy specials in a row with it? Dave, Dave Chappelle. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe he's already fucked a few. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe that's why he's obsessed. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's I, just, it's, but I don't, it's, I don't it's, see. I, but here's the thing, too. I don't see Dave Chappelle going out of his way publicly outside of his specials to talk about trans people. You know, he he ain't. Yeah. I mean, he stood up in that town hall meeting and was like, I don't want y'all building this fucking house. You know what I'm saying? Like, he uses his celebrity <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for causes that he cares about. And I don't see him, like, co-signing any of the stuff that looks, you know, any of these transphobic efforts or bills or anything. Oh, yeah, like the banning of trans or gender-affirming care for adults. And I think, was it Oklahoma <laughs> right. that yeah. just recently did that? That's so wild. That's so wild to me. It's like to care that much. To care that much. I'm protecting children. They always do that. They always use the kids to try to get you to go along with some evil shit. We're just protecting oh, it was the children. Iowa. I was wrong. It was Iowa. Yeah, because I just found out that, like, um, so that, you know, a lot of the anti trans stuff in Florida. Um, you know they're protecting kids from drag shows that their parents brought them to. By the way, whatever, whatever, any kid that's been to a drag, like kids ain't stumbling over drag shows on their way home from school. You know, it's right. like so. But but then I just recently found out that there are actually there are nude beaches still allowed in Florida where you can bring kids. <gasps> but they don't see that as like sexualizing kids. You know, what so about the th- kids, Brian? I don't know. What about the kids? They don't want to. Get, they don't want to pay those kids. So poor kids have school lunch. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just, no, we just protected the kids, though. You know, it's like I. I think the kid. I think it should be. It should. We should go way the other way. We should have school lunch, free school lunch delivered by drag queens. So in Texas, Ooh. the new law that's being proposed, it's a ten thousand dollar fine to the business owner, and your business can be shut down if you have a, a trans. Uh, if you have a what do they call it, a the, drag show. If you have one and children show up, or if you advertise to children like, "Hey, we'll read to your kids," they'll sh- they'll ten thousand dollar fine. They can shut you down. That's the law that's being proposed. Well, if I read to your kids in a wig, <laughs> that's going to disqualify a lot of teachers already. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a lot. Of t- well, but the real the real goal the the real goal here is to strip libraries of state funding for hosting any event featuring performers yeah. in drag. Even for adults, even if it's a even if it's a performance for adults, if it's at a library, they'll yeah. use that to strip. Dude, it's crazy to me because if if we didn't already have public libraries, 
the the idea that we could ever get that started is absurd to me. Oh yeah, it would like never people would fight today. tooth and nail. It would never happen today. It would never happen today. And, and here's one the of the best thing. ideas we've ever had. Oftentimes, see, this is the problem with what I call like otherness legislation, where it's like so many people go along with this type of shit because it's because not that they agree with the action, but that they believe that it's only going to happen to people that they don't like, and they don't understand like they. Right. Every just like this uh, banned TikTok bill, that's really like a ultra super duper spy on everybody bill. They they're calling this whatever protect the kids from trans. But I bet you if you read that bill, it's a lot of fucking gross evil shit in there that you would not want whoever you hate to have the power to to do. And that's exactly what you're giving up because mm-hmm. eventually, again, the governor of Texas is gonna be a different motherfucker. The mayor of Austin's gonna be a different motherfucker, and they're gonna have whatever powers you're giving up right now, just so you can dunk on trans people, or or drag queens. Drag queens are also fucking hilarious. Have you ever met one that wasn't? No, no, they're all fucking hilarious. Yeah, so but so I, I this is a perfect example. This is a perfect example. So this is uh, SB twelve in Texas, filed by Republican State Senator Brian Hughes of Mineola. SB 12 would impose a $10,000 fine on business owners who host drag shows in front of children if those performances are sexually oriented. So here's the thing. So people hear that and they go like, okay, well, you just can't have, like, it just can't be a sexually oriented performance. But then if you read the rest of the bill, it defines a sexually oriented performance as one in which someone is naked or in drag. So... It can be completely non-sexual, but if it's a man in a dress, then the bill treats that as sexual by its very nature. Yeah, also, guys, drag is... Which is is another way that they write these. But does that apply to drag kings, women who dress up as men? Of course not. No, no, no. They're not thinking about that at all. First of all, I think drag king shows are are much rarer. Mm -hmm. But also, you know... I don't think the type of people that are that are writing this legislation, I don't think they see these are the same kind of people that don't think lesbians are like a real thing. Or they you know, or they think it's hot or whatever, you know. So so I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think they would even bat an eye if if drag kings But the bill says in drag, so maybe maybe that does count. But then what about people that just dress like that in their day to day lives? That dresses the opposite sex or like it's 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 so vague and, and and crazy, and you know. So here's the other thing that's funny about it: these people don't realize like y'all got gay kids, y'all got right. gay nieces and nephews, y'all got people, y'all got uh, people. It's people in your family that's just afraid of of you knowing what their real life is. People that you claim you love, you know. I I I went through this with a friend of mine. He used to. Just say just weirdly non-funny, real super duper homophobic shit, you know. And I remember a, a long time ago telling him like, "Hey man, you you know, it, it may be people around you that would that will confide in you, but you making them afraid because of the way you talking, you know." And oh no, motherfucker, no, ain't no motherfucker way. Blah, 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 blah. And then and now one of his kids is gay. Hmm. Yeah, and I and and I don't know how long it took him to come around, but he came all the way the fuck around, you know. And I, I know some people don't. Some people are like, oh, I'm gonna put you out the house or whatever. 
you know, but but these are these are those kind of people. These kind of people that like if they found out their kids was gay, they would put them out the fucking house. No son of mine. I don't know. That's evil. That's a that's a when when people say that they don't know gay people, that's like a that's a self report. Right? <laughs> because it same way like when when somebody says like uh like I've had arguments with other men where they dispute, you know, pretty well-supported statistics on how many women experience sexual assault. And it's like, okay, well, how many women do you know who have who have told you about a sexual assault? And they're like, none. And it's like, okay, well, that's a self-report. They don't, it's not that you don't know any women who have experienced that. It's that none of them are comfortable enough with you to tell you about their experiences. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. And same thing where it's like, there's a lot of people who think they don't know like transgender people. And it's like, no, you do know some transgender people. They just have never told you that they're trans. Right. Because and they're, 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 and don't they're, trust real, you. they're real good with their makeup and their wigs. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. So that, that, that's what's so weird. That's what was so weird about the, about, about people getting, uh, getting upset about gays in the military, you know, and it's like, Hey man, they've been up in there. They've been up in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like it's well, not like oh now we're gonna just open the floodgates. It's like it's, they've been in there. And they just now they can just be free. So I think a well, lot that, of these, that's oh, go, think, go ahead, Josh. I, I think a lot of these laws are coming up. Uh, to, I can't speak for all the other Christian religions, but for as far as Catholicism, there's like an internal battle going on between mm. the Pope and his new visions and what the traditional teachings are. And right now, they're literally telling people. Demons are coming into people's bodies. These transgender people are demons. That's what they're saying. So that's it's why like, they're saying they them, Josh. <laughs> right. So so this well, is. So they think all transgender people are like. <laughs> yeah, they're on they're on a they're on a spiritual war in their mind. So that's why all these laws are now, and I'm sure other Christian religions are just the same or even worse. Yeah. And you know what's so, so, so funny to me is how there's, like, gay churches. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Because, like, like, how can you ascribe to the religion that seeks to oppress you? It doesn't make any sense to me. Because you want to please your mom. Because you want to please your mom. Yeah, I guess that's the one. See, that's the one uh, advantage of growing up in foster kids. I don't give a fuck what my parents think about shit. You know, what what was the who was the the black preacher who was talking about the the choir director, and he, and he and you know what I'm talking about? It like it went viral where he oh, was, was like, I don't like men's no more. That guy? No, 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 no. This guy was like pro LGBTQ, and he was he was a black preacher, and he was saying like like everybody's pulling the finger at everybody else, and we don't look at ourselves. And he started going into a whole thing about him being at Freaknik. And how like nobody cares about that, but like, uh, but the, but you know the. No, I didn't see this. Oh, okay. Let me see if I can find it because this was. Yeah, we need a little levity. This has been a very serious episode unintentionally. Yeah. Doctor E. Dewey Smith, hom- homosexuals in a black church. All right, run that. Hear it. He said, in the African-American church, you really got to be careful. I said, what do you mean? He said, because you are guilty of condemning the Supreme Court system and preaching against something. But if you look at half of our choirs, 
<laughs> and a great number of our artists that we call abominations and we call demons we demonize and dehumanize the same people that we use and we don't say nothing about the quick gay choir director because he's good for business as long as the choir sound good I ain't saying nothing about his sexuality the boy cooking <laughs> we have done what the slave master did to us dehumanize us uh, degrade us demonize us but then use them by our advantage some people in that some people ain't feeling what he's saying mm -hmm. it's hypocritical to talk about the supreme court and calling them sodom and gomorrah which is not what it's all about but if that's the case half our churches have been sodom and gomorrah for a hundred years This was seven he years told me, ago. You got to re-examine yourself. I said, the what do you mean? He said, well, on one hand, you quote, homosexuality is an abomination from Leviticus. But you say that right after you ate some shrimp, some catfish, and some lobster. <laughs> <laughs> you quote Leviticus while you're wearing a wool blend suit. It's also in Leviticus that you shouldn't wear mixed linens. It's in Leviticus that if your wife is on her cycle, that you shouldn't go in the same house with her or even sleep on the same bed with her. That's in Leviticus too. Here's my point. We pick and choose the scriptures that we want to use to beat folk up with rather than look at our own lives. Let me tell you something. If God wanted to judge America, he wouldn't need the Supreme Court system. If he wanted to judge America because of sin, he would judge me in 88 at the Freaknik in Atlanta. Y'all ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I don't condemn you. I don't judge you. I'm going to preach Christ to you. Because you can't evangelize. Hey. Damn. <laughs> he was at the Freak Nick in Atlanta in 88. He might, he might, now, now that the documentary's out, he might regret being that specific. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but this he dude's 100% correct. He was cooking, but, but you saw how <laughs> half the people <laughs> in this crowd was not feeling what he was talking about. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, because he was right, he was right on the money. Mm -hmm. He was right on the money. Yeah, because because here's the truth. As 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 heavily influential as as black culture is on the world, at least half, if not more, of that come from the gay side. Fashion, yeah. music, you know, all that shit. You see a dope show. Whatever, it's like all that shit start from there. The, the, the uh, you know a lot of the slang, like bro, I never thought I would hear straight people saying, you know, what's the tea or here's the tea. Because I used to, I heard my I, would hear, I heard my uncle talking like that in like the late nineties, early two thousands. It was like a, it was only gay people talking like that. Like here's the tea, right. what's the tea, and now it's infiltrated 
you know, culture. All of the all of the bad bitches in hip hop and R&B that y'all talk about, all they style and everything, they come, they come from the gay community. So he he has a point. It, but, but but it's always been that. The the in fact, the very first episode of this podcast, we talked about Bayard Reston. I still don't know if I'm saying his name right because I've never heard anybody say it. I just read it. Um, but he was a chief organizer during the civil rights movement. He he was the chief organizer, I, I believe, of the March on Washington. And they decided not to make him not to put him on the in the forefront because he was gay. He was and he was like he wasn't like secretly gay. Like he was out gay. Mm-hmm. Like back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they didn't want you know, I thought they they thought it would hurt the movement and they were right. It would have because that's how people that's how people thought back then. But yeah, your favorite Martin Luther King, Jesse Jackson, all those people collaborated with the gayest motherfucker one of the gayest motherfuckers on the planet for your civil rights. So it's 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 weird to me when I meet black folks that are homophobic. And it's even it's even more sinister now because nobody will no again, nobody wants to call themselves homophobic. You know, they they want to say homophobic shit and do homophobic shit and support homophobic shit, but they don't want to be a homophobe. They want to they want to be they want to come off as like a completely reasonable person. You know, I almost respect the I people. Mean, James that's... Baldwin wasn't an, was an out was an out gay person. Yeah, and James Baldwin. James Baldwin. I mean, I mean, arguably one of the most prolific and well respected civil rights thinkers of the 20th century. Yeah, I think I think he is, he is the greatest black speaker ever to me. Mm-hmm. James Baldwin. Yeah, the boy was cooking. You know, I put James Baldwin one, Dr. King two. We can talk about the rest, but like in terms of like just bars, just straight up quotables, Baldwin was cooking his whole life. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't think he ever talked about his sexuality. Like it was never like a thing that he that was at the forefront of what he was talking about, but he never denied it either. Right? Did did, did he ever get right. asked about it in an, in an interview? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Man, it's been so long since I did a Black History episode. <sighs> we gotta get back. We gotta get these interns quick. A stat. Um, yeah, let's end on a high note. Let's uh, let's read one of these emails. How about that? Before we get out of here. Sure. Um, from <sighs> Tariq. Hi, let me start by saying that I am a big fan of your comedy and your podcast. My favorite quote of yours is when you say that somebody is as loyal as their options are. And yes, ugly motherfuckers are not going to have as much action as good-looking motherfuckers. All right. Uh, it says, Blue Chew, just like the Nazis did their suicide pills. Um, I don't get that. Uh, I don't get that either. One more thing, I'm emailing you from Saudi Arabia, which is not as rich as you think, and we do not have ATM machines that drop gold bars. Much love, <laughs> Yeah, well, first of all, right, the gold bars is Dubai. The gold bar ATM, uh, the, uh, the gold bar vending machine is, is Dubai. Uh, but y'all are definitely as rich as, as as I think. I mean, you you, like, the citizens probably aren't. I'm not saying everybody in Saudi Arabia is rich, but the king got money. He he's the richest person in the world, easily, right? 
They don't, I mean, yep. obviously, we don't act. We don't know how much money he has, and that, and that's the other thing. The very, very richest people in the world, you don't know how much money they have. It's all estimates because they're not going to tell you. You know, unless unless Tyreek knows something I don't like, maybe he's one of the king's financiers or something. He's like, yo, this motherfucker actually be overdrafting. You know, I don't know. That would shock me <laughs> if the king of Saudi Arabia was had, was being hit with overdraft fees. That would shock me. But, you know, I don't know any better than you do. Salman of Saudi Arabia, what is his net worth? He's building a whole city, isn't he? Like a, it's the line city or something like that? I don't think that's going to happen, though, right? That's got to be... Because that's an interesting industry because there is a whole constellation of companies that pretty much just exist to put together some CGI lookbooks mm-hmm. and get, like, billions of dollars from the Saudi royal family. It's a good gig, but then you never have to actually make anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, yeah, the, yeah. How much did you find out? How much money does that motherfucker got? Uh, twenty billion for him by himself, but that does—that's not for the entire like the royal family as a whole. Is way more. Yeah, but than also, that, also look—that twenty billion. That's I guarantee you. That's just how much money he's got. Uh. That's publicly like that, that he can't hide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in his yeah, cash yeah. app. Yeah, it's like it's like how much money <laughs> how much money do the Rothschilds have? It's like you don't know. Like you you know what I'm saying? Like you know you can add up all their houses and and their businesses and and whatnot. But like if unless it's a publicly traded business, you there's no other way for you to know where they, how much money they got because the, the you know they, I'm sure they have the vast majority of their wealth somewhere where. You know the banking law, the secrecy laws, like you know the Swiss, and all that was like you just can't, you just can't know. It's un, it's unknowable unless they want you to. He 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 personally is worth on paper about twenty billion dollars, but his family is worth one point four trillion. One point four trillion. Trillion dollars, yes, with a T. Yeah, but again, how, where does that number come from? I mean, they're they're cobbling together a bunch of different things. I mean, it's going to be oil holdings is going to be the the main source of that number. But when you're talking about that much money, it's a it's a made up fucking number anyway. You know, it, it's yeah, it's, might as well it, say, so say eleven billion bajillion. They said the Saudi Arabia's royal, ruling family is worth one point four trillion, which is sixteen times more than that of the British royal family. But see, again, the British royal family, we know how much they're worth because it. It's all public. Like all their money, everything they have is all public. Like it's the law. It has to be. But the king over there right. is still the king. So he don't got to tell you shit to nobody. Um, right. It's definitely more than. But it's, all, it's, all, it's, it's, also, it's also so much of it is oil holdings or real estate or other business ventures that become very difficult to put a dollar figure on. Right. right. You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So more money than we'll ever see. I was hoping I was hoping we would hit that subject and 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 end on a funny note, but you know, you can't win them all. (laughs) You can't win them all. Do drugs. That's if you take anything from this (laughs) you know, do drugs guys, it's the end of the world. The trash is out of control. You know, it's people be beheading themselves. Um, you know, Homosexuals run the world, um, and uh, I wish. 
and um, and this transgender lady will reapply to play Australian basketball, which everyone cares about all of a sudden. Don't forget, uh, if you want to see me on tour, <laughs> you can go to BrianSimpsonComedy.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns. You want advice from the advice champ, you can hit us up at bswithbriansimpson at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 323-451-1980. Don't forget to check out thecomedyfrequency.com. Don't forget to check out Apocalypse Soon with Eddie Pepitone and Kevin Tinkin. And don't forget to check out the Josh Parter Show. <laughs>